This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Right now, as the weather cools down, some stocks that were formerly hot are cooling down as well. Let's take a look at them. Gary Kaltbaum is here, president of Kaltbaum Capital Management. You can find him online at garyk.com. One of them really tumbling beyond meat. Gary, what's going on with beyond meat? Well, the problem is uh, very simple. It was very faddish, and they never made any money. Now sales are slowing, and they're still losing a ton of money. Uh, and, you know, the last I looked, people that go to Burger King want Whoppers. Uh, I think the plant meat business is here to stay, but I think it's really flatlining now as sales growth is heading toward basically a big, fat, juicy zero right now. And is it the sort of thing where there will be a market for it, but just not that growth, like you're saying Wall Street was expecting? Yeah, markets pay up for big growth. And the problem with a a stock like this is in its heyday, when everybody's excited about it, valuations get stretched, overloved, overleveraged, overbought. And when the tide turns, you see what's happening. Hit a high of 221 in January on like big news of going into restaurants across whatever, it's back to $81 now and still got a $5 billion market cap. So I'd be careful even here. Another stock that is dipping and and I guess maybe streaming is at least partly to blame for this is Walt Disney. Yeah, and I have to tell you, it's a little surprising. First off, yes, here's what's going on. Uh, Streaming companies, uh, companies that benefited from people staying in because of the virus, well, they had a big rollout and big move to the upside very quickly, and that just has to slow down, and that's affecting Disney stock. But I have to tell you, they're going to uh, add 50 more countries in the next couple of years. Attendance is kicking in gear now for their parks. Uh, international visitors also. So I'm just wondering maybe, and I'm not usually a guy who likes buying weakness, but I'm just wondering a brand name like Disney, something to maybe watch and look at here around that 160 level after uh, them chopping it down a little bit today. Yeah, it is interesting. Beyond me, well, we'll talk about Peloton in a moment here. But uh, of these three companies, Disney's the one that I, I don't think we have to worry about them struggling over the long run. No, one of the greatest brand name in history, very well managed. And look, they uh, got hurt because of COVID, but benefited with the streaming. Now streaming softens up because COVID goes away. But now they benefit from people going to see their movies again. Uh, and, uh, well, they're already doing that with the streaming. But the theme parks are going to roll. The cruise line is going to roll. So I- I'm not too worried about Disney in-, in the long run. But definitely the short run, the stock has been one of the weaklings in the Dow. Uh, let's talk about Peloton. We we mentioned them. They're another one that's kind of hurt. Uh, best way to explain to Peloton, while the stock was at 171 in January and is now 49, which is amazing, Planet Fitness has gone from 65 up to over 90. 
So what you have is the opening up of the world and America and people going back to the gym and not getting as uh, many Pelotons. And that is the simple story. And of course, they had the issue on safety, which they were kind of sort of slow on. Uh, so that didn't help. Uh, but they just, uh, the numbers, they missed by miles and they lost a ton of money. And that is going to take people out of the stock. And uh, again, competition is now picked up uh, for the uh, exercise at home business. And that is all the uh, gyms are, are back open fully. And uh, it, it may be tough going. Thanks so much, Gary Kaltbaum, president of Kaltbaum Capital Management. You can find him online at GaryK.com. The exploding market for NFTs is making some people rich. They're not guaranteed a windfall, though. Let's talk about it. Shelly Palmer, CEO of the Palmer Group, author of the new book, An Executive Guide to the World of Decentralized Finance. Uh, so, Shelly, NFTs, non-fungible tokens, you have people selling uh, all sorts of digital artwork, stuff that, that you wouldn't ordinarily think anyone would want and yet they're able to sell it and they're making money off of this. Yeah, look, everything's not what it seems. That's absolutely true. Uh, there are people making money off of what you and I would consider um, children's artwork that should be on the refrigerator behind a magnet. Um, but there are also phenomenal artists who are making money uh, selling their digital art. But what's really happening and what's making the headlines is something a little bit different. When you issue an NFT, you choose the kind of NFT that it's going to be, and you write the business logic of that NFT into the smart contract that is the NFT itself. All NFTs are smart contracts, meaning that they will execute automatically when the conditions are met. And one of the things you put in the metadata is the rarity of the NFT itself, how rare the NFT is going to be. So let's say there's a series of 1,000 NFTs or, or 3,000 NFTs like cyberpunks or crypto kitties in the old days or anything, you know, drunken seagulls. It doesn't matter what, what you collection you're looking at. Some of them are going to be extremely rare. And what's happening is two things. One, people are front-running rarity so that they are buying the rare ones. And those are the ones when there's a little bit of a PR groundswell, everybody's looking for the rarest because they will be the most valuable. So there's a little bit of scamming going on there. People who are technologically in the know will front-run. And in some cases, what's happening is there's some whales, meaning people who have an awful lot of crypto, in a kind of a closed environment saying, hey, you know, bid up my NFT so that, you know, a very famous celebrity will go and say, so-and-so just paid a million dollars for it. They may have done it with my money, if they're my friend, and they're sort of making these markets. There is more scam than non-scam going on in the super high value NFT world, because let's face it, most NFTs are not super highly valuable. It's tainting the actual marketplace, Cisco, because the market itself is a, and, and the technology itself is a wonderful way for creators to share in the value they have created and for people to be remunerated in secondary markets over time. So it's a wonderful, wonderful tool set, and there are lots of great things that are happening. We need a lot of the scam artists to get out of the way, and every time you hear get rich, you know, someone got rich quick, uh, consider this the lottery because you don't know what you're doing. I promise you, you don't. Not financial advice, just some common sense. And if someone is looking, let's say you're a, a, an artist who's struggling and you're trying to get started here, is there a path for you to make a little money this way or is it still too early to navigate it? So this is about community and storytelling because 
all NFTs, like all, all things in the world, are belief systems. You need to believe it's valuable. When you buy a stock, you're not buying the stock at the price. You're buying your belief that someone will pay you more for that stock at a later date, right? I mean, that's how you buy stocks. So if you're making an investment, that's how you make an investment in NFTs. So if you don't have a good community, if you don't already have a market, if you don't have a big following, an NFT is not going to get you any of those things. It's not like someone's going to look at your artwork and go, wow, that's amazing, because an art collector would do that without an NFT. So if you're going to use the, the technology of NFTs to get into your uh, commercialize your art business, think again. To commercialize your art business, first you get a following on social media. You go on TikTok, Facebook, YouTube, you build a following for your art and for who you are and the story you tell. And then NFTs become a really good vehicle for you to share in the value you create in social selling environments or social networking environments. But don't ever think that this technology is going to do anything for you other than increase your ability to cash in on what you already have going on. Artists who think there's something new here, they're right if they've got a following. You know the following? This is not a path to anything. Really good stuff. Thanks so much, Shelly Palmer, CEO of the Palmer Group. You can read his new book, An Executive Guide to the World of Decentralized Finance. It's 60 Minutes of Financial Planning. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The building that was once home to the McDonald's training site, Hamburger University, has a new occupant. Let's get some details. Danny Ecker is here, reporter at Crane's Chicago Business. Danny, who's moving in? Yeah, it's a uh, tech consulting uh, company called BDO Digital that actually has been uh, based for the last few years in Oak Brook nearby. And they have uh, signed on for about 28,000 square feet at the old Hamburger University uh, building, which as many people remember, McDonald's left behind uh, about a little over three years ago when they moved to the Fulton Market District. And uh, it's significant because this is the first uh, new office tenant to move into uh, this uh, uh, this vacant corporate campus, and you know could be a could be a point of validation that maybe makes this um, uh, draw some attention for other users. Yeah, it really is. I mean, it's a beautiful place. I've been out there. There's a lot of land. It seems like you can fill the buildings that are there, but you, you maybe have a lot of space to put some other buildings out there if you choose to. Yeah, potentially. Um, you know, I know that the owner, the, the, the group that bought this campus actually was a venture of uh, uh, John Paul DeJoria, who is the co-founder of the uh, Paul Mitchell hair care uh, brand. And we were, it was kind of a curious buyer at the time. You're wondering what they're going to do with it. And, you know, I think what they've obviously they've had to, you know, kind of grapple with the pandemic as any other office property owner has. But they're kind of looking at this as you know, hey, we have all this space and the, the importance of outdoor space and amenities for companies is now even more important in the wake of the pandemic. So they think they have, uh, you know, an advantage given just all the space they have. Yeah, and the, they'll have a lot of other opportunities here. So uh, you, you're saying it sounds like once they get this this group in here, it will then tell other groups, hey, there's something going on here. You can move in, too. It could. It could. I mean, they've got quite a bit of space and it's a fairly soft market. You know, there's uh, a lot of landlords out there competing for tenants uh, that many tenants aren't really sure how much space they need, of course, uh, with the rise of remote work. But, you know, there's still the McDonald's headquarters building itself on the campus, which is a little over 300,000 square feet. Uh, the Hamburger University building is only a third of that. Uh, but, you know, so there's a lot of space to be filled there. But uh, they're certainly hoping that uh, they will have the, the similar success we've seen from other abandoned corporate campuses in the suburbs that have been uh, 
renovated and, and uh, you know, made into to get, kind of give them a new life. Thanks for all the details. Danny Ecker, you read them online and in print in Crane's Chicago Business. Markets are mixed. The Dow down 124. The NASDAQ is up 102. And the S&P is up six points. Let's see what's going on. Matt Shapiro is here, president of MWS Capital here in Chicago. Matt, what do you make of what you're seeing on Wall Street today? Well, you know, it is Veterans Day. Happy Veterans Day uh, to all those veterans out there, including my father, a fully disabled uh, Marine Corps and Vietnam War veteran. Uh, so kind of mixed and quiet. Uh, you know, the market unexpectedly hit recent highs uh, from the correction we had last month and then some spectacular blow offs with uh, many of these, uh, you know, in the new stocks. The most the biggest story is, of course, Tesla and the Elon Musk sales. So this is creating this mix. Bond markets are closed. We're in sort of we're now really into the Christmas and November season, kind of a seasonally strong period for the markets. But here we just it's going to be, in our opinion, kind of a mixed picture for the next uh, several weeks until we hit Christmas. And then we just sort of close the year. Let's talk about uh, Disney. I mean, just really, really fascinating here to see what's going on. Streaming, we, we, we've talked several times. The fact that these streaming companies, you have so much competition. And at some point, there's just not as many streaming dollars to go around. And they're really going to battle over this. It's super competitive. And you know, Netflix, if you're fortunate to own Netflix, that's done extremely well. But the legacy uh, companies, you know, Disney was so high, 185. And then, of course, the news that, you know, uh, some issues with the streaming. Roku is the other big streaming play. So, you know, a lot of investors are really clinging to the Netflix and just certainly punishing Disney here. But Disney hasn't been this low in quite a while, so if you wanted to take a look at all their assets and the whole big picture, especially recovery from coronavirus and the entertainment and cruise, you know, time to maybe take a look at Disney as you close the year. Certainly such a classic blue chip company. Well, and uh, blue chip, I'm glad you said that because it's not like Disney's going to go away or anything. You know, I, I think they're going to be okay. They will do great, and especially that pickup of the Star Wars franchise, and, and they do a tremendous job. But, you know, investors punish stocks relentlessly for any kind of hesitation on something they really attach to, like in Disney, as the growth driver being the streaming. So for investors, I mean, you, you touched on Disney, but now let's speak a little more generally. When those dips happen, psychologically, some investors flee those stocks because they think there's trouble. But is that when there's the buying opportunities? It certainly is. So, I mean, let's take a look at Tesla. It just skyrocketed out of the blue uh, from 700 over to 1,000 uh, to 1,200, really, kind of a blow off top. And then Elon Musk uh, probably, uh, you know, reasonably and intelligently decided to unload a lot of stock. Um, that's, of course, caused the stock to drop. But here, you know, if you are a believer in Tesla, I mean, is it a trillion dollar company? We'll never really know. You just have to try. But here, you know, I've had a couple people ask, you know, is this a good time to buy Tesla? If you're a believer, it's something you might look at. What about some of the what, what we would call kind of the, the reopening stocks that uh, for a, a while were really surging? I'm thinking something like Peloton and, and maybe even some of the travel stocks, the airlines, the cruise lines, the hotels. People assume that, that they were just going to keep on growing as the economy reopened, but the economy is not reopening in the way we thought it would. Yeah, well, you know, you have to be careful playing themes. So, you know, uh, Peloton got hit 
because, of course, there's a little bit of a slowdown. You know, think about Generac. So everyone's thinking that uh, up in uh, uh, up in uh, Wisconsin, you know, everyone needs generators. And yes, they do. So the stock's at a, a super high. But you got to be careful as an investor playing themes like the reopening theme. Yes, that will support a stock and make it go higher, but long term, and that that will eventually fade, and investors will look at what's really going on fundamentally with the earnings. Good insight, as always. Thanks so much, Matt Shapiro, president of MWS Capital. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The parent company of Coach and Kate Spade is sharing an optimistic outlook despite challenges in the supply chain. Let's get insight from Gerald Storch, CEO of Storch Advisors, formerly vice chairman at Target and chairman and CEO at Toys R Us. Jerry, always good to have you on. So what's the parent company talking about here? What are they trying to do to deal especially with the supply chain issues? Well, first of all, you're dealing with a good that doesn't take up a lot of space on an airplane, so they're able to air freight the product from overseas, and it's such a high ticket item that the cost of the air freight really doesn't matter. So they're sending a lot of it by 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 airplane and skipping the port of Long Beach altogether. Uh, secondly, luxury goods as a whole are just doing amazing. That's because there's a high correlation between sales of luxury goods like these handbags and the stock market, and you know the stock market's been on fire now for quite some time. And finally. You know, this whole supply chain shortage issue is hit and miss, so it's, it hits some areas harder than others. And what we are seeing is that there are going to be goods for sale for Christmas, including these handbags. It just may not be you can find exactly the right one you want, exactly the right color, or maybe you can't find the hottest toy you want, but you can still find plenty of toys. And, it, I mean, it sounds like they're at an advantage, as you're mentioning, you know, the fact that they can fly their merchandise over. Uh, there are going to – those things are going to be on the shelves when a lot of other items are not going to be on the shelves. Well, I think that's for sure. I do not think you're going to see widespread empty shelves, though, this holiday season. Not the big retailers. Maybe some of the mom and pops who haven't had the ability to charter their own ships or make other adaptations. I think most of the big companies are big retailers, Target, Walmart, Costco, Macy's, they're going to have plenty of goods on the shelves. Again, it may not be 100% what you want, but you can still get a, a pretty nice Christmas present. Keep, keep in mind, sales continue to be on fire. They're up 20% over a two-year basis when maybe in a, you know, since the pre-pandemic 2019 era, in a normal two-year period, they might be up, you know, maybe half that. So sales are really booming overall. And part of the shortages we're seeing is simply because they're selling out. What does that do to the margins? Does that make these products even more profitable for the retailers? Well, it depends on the product. Obviously, in the case of a high-ticket item, using some of the margin to air freight it when they're talking about doing that. But in general, retailers are not having to discount as highly in this high-demand, shortage-plagued environment. And so what we're seeing is not only are they selling more than might have been expected, the sales are not quite as deep and the discounts aren't as high. So the margins are actually up uh, compared to where they've been for, for, in some cases, for a decade in the case of apparel sales. As you mentioned, uh, you know, you're not going to see bare shelves, but what should consumers do? Is it a situation where, hey, if you find something here in November and you want it for someone for Christmas, go ahead and buy it now because it may not be there you know, three or four weeks from now? Is it is it that kind of a situation? Absolutely. Prices are only going to go up from here. They're not going down. You know, maybe in years past when things don't sell, then, then there's bigger, big, uh, you know, fire sales right before Christmas to get rid of it. I don't think that's what's going to happen. If you find what you want, something that's in short supply, something specific that you really want to buy as a gift for someone, you should buy it now and grab it. Just be happy you have it. Thanks so much, Gerald Storch, CEO of Storch Advisors. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, 
like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Your best stock option. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's Technology Thursday. This afternoon, we're exploring space tourism. It's taken a giant leap in 2021. We welcome Paul Hockman, president of Humongous Media. Uh, Paul, I mean, this is the sort of thing that people thought was 100 years off, and now you're you're seeing it sort of lived out in real time right now. I mean, if, if you have enough money, you can go into space. That's exactly right. And and. In my opinion, anyway, it's it's not it's sort of like it's going to be very soon, like getting on the subway. I mean, for for very wealthy people, obviously, as you pointed out. But the point is that that kind of regularity, meaning how many times it's going up, um, SpaceX just launched, um, you know, something. Blue Origin launched something. Uh, I'm just I'm saying the something generally because it's just getting to be so frequent. It's so, sort of hard to keep track. The only one that's not hard to keep track of is Branson's company, uh, Virgin Galactic, had one launch very you know, they, lots of promo and uh, Branson went up, but they haven't had any launches since. But um, in the meantime, Elon Musk's and uh, and Jeff Bezos's companies are mul- have multiple launches behind them. And it's uh, it's only going to go, go faster. Given all of the money that has had to go into this, I mean, you know, lots and lots of money. Is it going to be forever before they can actually turn this into a profitable venture? At this point, is it is it more just for fun or do they really see this as a successful business model? Well, here's what's happening. It's a great question because that, that, that is, the question is an open one. Nobody knows the answer yet, but nobody's sharing those numbers. In other words, nobody's got access to the Excel spreadsheet that shows those costs and those revenues. But um, the, the, the number one goal that these companies have is, in fact, to expand uh, business based their businesses, their respective businesses, based on what they are learning in these launches. Remember, um, a lot of, and this is something, in fact, I was speaking with your producer, Andy Gersher, earlier about this. You know, a lot of these early, uh, very expensive missions that NASA had, up, uh, you know, in, in the 70s, um, yielded incredibly powerful results, uh, for, for commercial results, uh, you know, to the tune of solar panels, to the tune of Velcro, to the tune of all kinds of stuff. Um, and so the, the point is that these guys are learning about their specific business goals. Just let's take a look quickly at Elon Musk, he has already launched multiple satellites to bring, uh, you know, the World Wide Web and, and Wi-Fi connections from space. Same thing with Bezos. Bezos is doing exactly the same thing, looking at launching satellites. The way they're going to do that, though, is learn. And the way they're going to learn is launch lots of these rockets. So the nutshell is they're spending money right now, like any business does on it's basically capital investment so that they can get ready for their next phase of business, which is literally out of this world. And as you're mentioning, they may not even know what the next phase of business is because it may depend on how quickly they get up there, what they find they're able to do up there. There there may be opportunities they don't even know of yet. I guarantee you those opportunities have already presented themselves even after the first few launches. In other words, they've been intimating it in, in their comments. Both Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos have been talking about this, the discoveries. Their, crew, their crews and their teams have talked about things that they discovered uh, much more reliability than they expected out of certain technologies, much less, much scarier near misses uh, from some of the technologies. All of that is exponentially faster learning than NASA was going through in the 70s, primarily because they can launch so frequently. So, yes, this is really about capital investment in the future of these respective businesses, and it's going to go um, faster and faster even in the next weeks and months ahead. Will we ever see the point where the average person can go up and do this, or, or is it always going to be something for the wealthy? I mean, I mean the, the idea of it being, say, say 100 or $200 to go up there, I mean, it just seems like that's never going to be able to happen. 
No, it's a great question. There's already a pricing difference even between the two major companies up there, SpaceX and, and Blue Origin, and one is in the in the hundreds of millions for a ticket, and one is uh, 200 grand for a ticket. And the reason for that is how much time you spend in space. So it may be that that's a point differentiation in terms of pricing. Um, but let's look back at the automobile for two seconds. That was the purview only of extremely rich people. Uh, now, obviously, automobiles are available to a huge portion of the population in the, in, in the world, and that's because prices have come down, and all of that came in part because the interest in this technology got so high, people saw a giant mass market for it. So, yes, I think absolutely it's going to be accessible. I'm not sure if I'm going to sign up even when it gets down to that price. Um, maybe you can go and you can tell me about it. Yeah, <laughs> but I was hoping is, we'd yes, do the I other way around. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I got dibs and, and um, I'm trademarking that. Um, Cisco goes first. Yeah, right. um, anyway, so yes, I, I'm happy to say that I'm interested, but I'm looking forward to the day when it is 200 bucks for sure. Yeah, it'll be interesting for sure. It just keeps getting getting better. Thanks so much, Paul Hockman, president of Humongous Media. That's Technology Thursday. This time tomorrow, Entrepreneur Friday. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.